0: Well, this is a little bit unorthodox for Cup of Cubby Blue, but as we were finalizing uh, the Cardinals-Cubs preview show for that was supposed to drop this afternoon, it is Friday, and I'm just going to timestamp this because who knows what's going to happen before we can drop this at four o'clock. The news broke that the Cardinals had another positive case, the Cubs series and Cardinals series Friday game has been postponed. Apparently they're waiting to like see if they can play Saturday or Sunday's game. We'll talk about that in a minute. The entire episode is really good, but we felt like that was big enough news that we needed to have just a little bit of an explainer at the top. So Andy, what are you looking for with this new news that at least Friday's game is postponed between the Cubs and Cardinals and TBD on the weekend?
1: Um, I'm actually looking for the Cubs to announce or MLB to announce that the Chicago Cubs have arrived safely into Chicago, say Friday night or Saturday morning. There is no reason that this series needs to happen at this point. Um, yeah, you know, listening to our recording and going back on what we discussed, it was, more obviously emotional than rational because we were excited for the Cubs to be playing the Cardinals it's a great rivalry it kind of brings a little bit more normalcy back to our lives to think about that rather than you know the things that could happen if if the games were played so um you know i'm i'm thinking a little bit clearer now as far as this is a situation where you just don't know and With the sign of one positive, there's how many more behind it? You know, you don't know. You don't know. We didn't think we were going to get this one positive today. And we thought all three games would be played without a hitch. Um, Well, I did anyways, for the most part. So, yeah, I'm like, go home. We'll do it another time. The the Cardinals are going to have to squeeze a boatload of games in a small amount of time. But that is the least of our worries right now.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, here's the one thing that I think we do kind of know, and maybe I'm wrong about this. It is possible, I suppose. I think it would be extremely unlikely, but it is possible. The Cardinals had had some players driven home from Milwaukee if they tested positive. So it's possible, I suppose, that this individual who it's, it's been leaked um, was in contact with some of the other individuals. So it wasn't a surprise case for them. He, they just hadn't tested negative yet. Uh, I suppose it is possible that out of an abundance of caution, they took anybody who could have been positive and, like, drove them back to St. Louis, but that's not what they said before. They just said that they drove the positive cases back, which means that we know that within the last 48 hours, (laughs) that player was on a plane with every other member of the Cardinals traveling team. And, yo, like, incubation periods work in the following way. Every player on the Cardinals has a 2- to 14-day period where they could probably potentially test positive now. Period. The end. You don't need to contact trace that or anything. They were all on a plane together, breathing recycled air. I I don't understand how you could possibly play this weekend's games.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't seem like the best thing to do at this point in time. Um, The Cardinals have some things to figure out and they definitely need to um, probably just go ahead and follow a 14 day quarantine like they were doing. And um, hope that everybody can make it out on the other end. Baseball is not something they need to be concerned about at this point in time, especially a lot of these players have young children and families that they've either separated themselves from completely or are, you know, back in the company of. So, you know, there's a there's a bigger picture here as much as I wanted to, you know, watch Saturday night's game on my driveway with 20 plus Cardinals fans outside social distance it's not going to happen. I'm just not comfortable with it. I don't know that I'd even be able to celebrate a win because I just, I don't feel like this is a good idea at all anymore. And honestly, I feel kind of sick about it to be um, quite frank. And I can't imagine that the Chicago Cubs feel safe um, to go on the field Saturday or even Sunday at this point and and be face to face with some of these guys and, and not know, you know, I just, I, I don't think it's the best idea.
0: One hundred percent agree. We hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Obviously, there's a bunch of preview talk about a series that is not going to happen, but may happen at some point in the future. We were lucky enough to be joined when we recorded uh, late on Thursday by Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black. She's an outstanding Cardinals writer and podcaster, so if you're not familiar with her work, I think you'll really enjoy this episode, but obviously the situation has changed, and as we get more developments, we will keep you posted. Make sure you're following us. As always, I am at BCB underscore Sarah, Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. We are both at Cup of Cubby Blue, and now we hope you enjoy episode number 83. Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. And we're currently watching the Cubs get absolutely throttled by the Kansas City Royals 13 to nothing but the Cubs had a six game winning streak coming into this one so... We can't really complain all that much. Plus, somebody finally swung at a Craig Kimbrell curveball, so that's that's good news. Uh, I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue.
1: Hi, guys. Andy Cruz Van a second. I am. I guess I can't be right about everything. I mean, you know, uh, three out of four ain't bad. I'll take it. So it is what it is. Alec Mills pinch hitting, struck out. Whatever. Let's just get to St. Louis.
0: I mean, at least he didn't try to run to first and tear a hamstring or oh, something.
1: Sh- don't even go there. That is not <laughs> even funny. <laughs> it's
0: pretty funny since he's walking back to the dugout laughing. Um, right, right, right. That's, that's really the only reason it's funny. Um, so apparently these Cubs-Cardinals games are happening, and we are really lucky – That We are joined today by one of our favorite Cardinals writers, podcasters, and digital content producers. Tara Wellman's work can be found at Birds on the Black, where she co-hosts the weekly Cardinals podcast, Chirps. And we're thrilled that she agreed to join us to preview what, what, let's be honest, is the greatest rivalry in sports. Agreed. (laughs)
2: Happy to be here. Thanks so much.
0: I mean, we found something Cubs and Cardinals fans can agree on. We should just end this podcast now.
2: But, it doesn't happen often, but right now I think uh, I think just getting to watch baseball is one thing we can agree on, and the second is that this is the best rivalry.
0: One hundred percent. So let's jump into it because when we when we thought we were going to do this podcast originally, and we went to Tara and we were like, "Hey, do you want to come on the podcast?" We thought these games would not be played. Let's be honest; like all of us were like, "Yeah, these games are not happening." There's a COVID outbreak on the Cardinals. It's going to stop the whole thing. There'll be postponements. The Cubs are going to have to deal with stuff, whatever. And the games look like they're on. So we actually have a series to talk about. But we'll get to that towards the end of the podcast like we always do. There are two really big stories about the Cardinals and COVID right now as far as I'm concerned. The first one is the pandemic itself and how it impacted the team how it got covered on Twitter and the media. And frankly, like, I'll own it. Some of the speculation that Andy and I had on this podcast that I want to talk about. And then there's also just the team impact and what happens when you're forced to take over a week off because of a COVID-19 outbreak. So, Tara, you're our guest. I'll let you start. Uh, Where do you want to start with these Cardinal stories?
2: Well, I think the important thing, well, two things that are the most important is one, the actual health of the players that are involved. And to this point, no one has been reported to have severe symptoms. There were a couple of players that had some mild symptoms that even in a couple of days seemed to be showing improvement. There's been no update to that, to any sort of, you know, more dramatic circumstances there. So that's the best case uh, scenario under the circumstances. Now, there are some staff members that are obviously not being reported on in the same way that the players are, but their health is, is obviously the most important in this conversation. But the second thing, and you mentioned it, is how this kind of got out of control from a coverage standpoint. standpoint. And there are a lot of pieces we can talk about as far as that is concerned. But Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is one of the best at not getting sucked into the drama or the rumors or the chaos, but just sticking to what he does, which is putting in the time and the research and looking for the facts and the information to report on it, even if it means he's far behind as far as the timeline goes of getting some sort of information out there. So he was able to track down a lot of the information that really squashed a lot of the rumors that ran all over the place, particularly on Twitter. And let's be honest, they weren't just rumors from fans or from rivals or or wherever you might expect that. They were kind of national level writers and reporters and other athletes who got the ball rolling on some of these and and really made them take off. So uh, appreciative of Derek Gould's work, uh, the, the rumor that really was the strongest, of course, was that they all went to a casino or a number of them went to a casino. There doesn't seem to be any evidence to back that up that is is legitimate in the timeline that we're looking at. So I don't know how it it read from the perspective of someone outside the Cardinals. And, and I was going to say bubble, that term is taking <laughs> on a whole different meaning these days, but I think you get the point. Um, but it was very hard to watch as this all progressed and turned into everyone thinking they knew what really happened when no one who was talking about it was actually there.
0: Totally. And Andy, you and I talked about this a lot. I know that you are like, you know, on the ground in St. Louis, you know, a ton of people, you're getting these things straight from the horse's mouth. And I, you know, we both were, we tried to hold back in terms of some of the wilder things that we heard, but I'm curious what you're thinking after you read Gould's piece and what has come out since then, because it's not just the Cardinals here. I want to remind people like there were all these rumors about the Marlins going to a strip club or something. And Derek Jeter has come out pretty forcefully and said, that's not true. They did go outside of their hotel rooms, went to get coffee. I believe at one point he said they went to get milk, which I thought was just Uh, like milk. A uh, uh, milk. Uh,
2: milk.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, this is such a weird thing to say. I, I don't remember the last time I left my house just for milk, but whatever. Um, Andy, what what were you thinking as <laughs> these sort of clarifications came out from him?
1: Like a uh, milk? Were they traveling with a baby? Like a uh, baby? <laughs> like uh, that's just, yeah, okay. A um, couple things here that I, I find very interesting. So I had heard um, that Dexter Fowler and Harrison Bader went with um, Jim Edmonds to. Um, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater to watch Nelly. I had many friends at this concert. I actually, before the whole COVID thing, was probably would have been working this concert because as most of you know, that's what I do in the summertime because my daughter is a competitive dancer and we work those concerts. That's what we do. I had heard this a long time ago. Had I known that that was the root of this casino rumor, I would have laughed it off then. I did not realize that that's kind of what that snowballed into. That is actually hilarious to me because it's called Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. People piece that together as they were at a casino. A- anyways, that's the way I'm understanding it. I think that's quite hilarious. What I what I had heard was something far different than that. And that was basically just surrounding Carlos Martinez. And um, I had not heard anything about a casino rumor. And as, from what I understand, that actual casino rumor was from Milwaukee, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm confused about the whole timeline and how people um, were talking about it, and I I think it's quite um it's quite funny that it's I f- isn't Jerry Harrison Jr. an ex Cardinal? Didn't he play? No, he played for the Cubs.
0: Yeah, uh, I think he played for the Dodgers. Am I losing my mind there? I could I thought be. Wrong. He
1: played for the Cubs at one point. I don't know,
0: but that but, was the main rumor. Jerry yeah. Harrison Jr.'s Twitter account, like some ridiculous number of likes and retweets when i saw it
1: (laughs) i'm like what what does is he friends with these people like how does he (laughs) even get this information i don't it just to me it was so random that that's where this started and that's where it came from i don't know i'm i'm happy that um they were able to dispel the rumor of the casino because obviously that's very damaging to this team to have something like that following them around. So good for that, that they were able to, to trace that back and see that that was not true. And um, you know, obviously there's, there's methods right now because of the pandemic and all the different things that people are going through to keep you safe. When you go to a casino, when you go to the zoo, when you go to an amusement park, wherever you go, you have to have reservations these days, you have to do this, that and the other. So they were able to go back and see that there was no evidence of Cardinals players going to this casino. So good on that at least. At least we know that. Um, Do I believe that the Cardinals had players that potentially were not following protocol and they were the only team? Absolutely not. I I feel like this was, they were probably, I don't want to say made the example of, probably more so the Marlins. I have not heard of an MLB investigation yet on the Cardinals, but I think that teams definitely probably needed to have this Eye-opening experience of buckling down quite a bit more and being a little bit more strict on the protocol because I think um and it not just baseball players, I mean everybody. Um people need to understand what could potentially happen from just a moment of carelessness and a moment of you know not following what they should be doing. So I'm grateful these games are happening. Um, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I still live in St. Louis, so I'm kind of grateful. Um but in, in all reality, it's nice that this is happening. This is good for baseball. It's good for this season. I mean, anytime you can watch the Cubs and Cardinals play, no matter who's on the field, um, as far as players are concerned, I, it, you know, it, it's good for baseball. It's good for the sport. And of course, it is the best rivalry, rivalry in sports. I mean, uh, who can even argue with that? Who can <laughs> even put another rivalry in the same ballpark
0: with them? Nobody that's going to be on this podcast anytime (laughs) Right. Uh, So I want to hit on something that Andy talked about there that I think is really important, which is that, you know, the Cardinals and Marlins happen to be the two teams that had players test positive and games canceled and all of that jazz. They've had a bunch of attention put on them because of that. And I understand why, because we live in a 24-hour news cycle And that's what people do. And they speculate and they hear, you know, rumors bounce all around and all it takes is one or two big Twitter accounts for those rumors to go viral. But I will say this. I don't think that the Cardinals and Marlins were the only teams that were doing things that were quote unquote risky, like going out for a milk or whatever Derek Jeter is talking about. (laughs) I, and I also think it's important. I'm sorry. The whole a milk thing is like never going to get old. Uh, I also think that where you're going out for like a cup of coffee in the morning matters too, right? So, New York City and Boston, Chicago to some extent, like we've seen these cities kind of squash their curves. And so, it's no longer the case that you're getting a a thousand or twelve thousand or twelve hundred positive cases in a day. You're getting like two hundred or you're getting like a hundred. And that's still bad, but it's not those terrifying numbers, some of the cities where major league players are playing are still having over a thousand cases a day. And so the risk of going to your corner Starbucks and getting a cup of coffee when there are a thousand cases, I mean, I'll be real clear. When there were a thousand cases a day in Chicago, my Starbucks wasn't open. Like I couldn't go to Starbucks if I wanted to, (laughs) there was no option to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to know that a lot of these players are playing in cities where quote-unquote risky behavior, is something that a player could do in a different city that wouldn't be as risky just based on the way the pandemic has worked. And we're all trying to figure this out. But I think we need to be, I don't know, just as empathetic and graceful as we possibly can at this moment in time. Because I want to watch baseball more than anything in the world. I want it to be safe. And I want all the players to be healthy. Those are the things that I want. And I'm not willing to sacrifice one of those things for the other. So, like, if the players can't be healthy, we shouldn't have baseball. And if we can't make sure that that's going to be a priority, we need to rethink this whole season. So I just – I want to put that out there because I think that it's important to remember this is baseball in a pandemic and it's unprecedented and nobody really knows what to expect here. And, I, you know, I give a lot of grief uh, to Cardinals – fans on Twitter and we get back into it back and forth about Yachty and all this stuff, I will say this. I was heartbroken to hear that Yachty Molina tested positive for COVID-19. It is potentially one of his last seasons. He's a great catcher. We can disagree on whether or not he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but <laughs> he is absolutely one of the greatest players in the game. And I don't want anything bad to happen to Yadi, And I don't want him to miss a Cubs Cardinals series because of this.
2: Yeah, and I think the Yadier Molina factor really emphasizes a lot of what you were saying in that this wasn't necessarily a situation that was all about irresponsible behavior or you know just negligence on the part of the organization acting as if they didn't have to be prepared or as if no one could possibly be affected by this in their circle uh, their corner of the world. Yadier Molina is one of the most serious competitors there is and When we were all waiting to find out who would be put on the the COVID IL, and, and that was when we would know some of these names if they weren't released prior to that, the conversation was, man, Yachty's going to figure out who started this, and that guy might not have a job next week, right? <laughs> because that's how serious of a competitor he is. So then for him to be one of the names that, that came out, and look, the very real kind of this is baseball side of this is that catchers are in a, a more precarious pos- position than just about any other player on the field, because... If, as it seems, this started with a pitcher, well, he's not only catching every baseball that is thrown by that pitcher, but he's also working with those pitchers in meetings before the game and after the game and on the off day. So, if that's the the circumstance that sort of started this, and and we saw the same thing in Miami, right? Their catcher was the their first positive test, and then I think it was eight of 12 guys in the bullpen ended up also testing positive. So the catcher position seems to be a a real linchpin in something like this getting out of control, at least from the very small sample size of two teams. Uh, But nonetheless, I was immediately worried for Yachty in that sense. But I also think, like you were saying, Sarah, that this could have happened to any team because I think there was at least initially – almost a false sense of security about, well, everybody's being tested. We've been together for the last, you know, four weeks and everybody's good to go. So it's not a big deal. And that's where you saw a little bit of the lack of consistency and the Cardinals have admitted this and, and really been pushing forward the change in who's wearing masks and who's in the dugout and how they're responding to home runs or to big strikeouts or whatever. They're going back to those suggestions by major league baseball and, deciding to enforce them whether or not Major League Baseball does it across the board. And I think that's the result of feeling like they were doing what they thought they needed to do to be prepared for this. And I spoke to John Mozillac the Wednesday before all of this broke loose. And I was impressed by the seriousness that he was speaking about it and all the ways they thought they were prepared. And even that wasn't enough.
0: Totally agree. Andy, I know you're in St. Louis. What are you hearing? I know you live with your husband as a Cardinals fan. (laughs) Mr. Andy is like the one of my top five favorite Cardinals fans. Uh, (laughs) another one is on this podcast. So the other three of you are gonna have to figure out who you are. Um, (laughs) My kids. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Andy, what are what are you hearing? What is the reaction to I mean, Yachty being one of the positives it stunned me too, because I was thinking, I I had the same reaction Tara did. Like Yachty is going to knock heads. Yeah, The person who shut down Cardinals baseball and Yachty and Adam Wainwright was the other one I was thinking. Like these two dudes are going to knock heads. I think we actually
1: even said this on the last episode because my husband basically said, if anybody gets the Cardinals sick, and this was way before this was when baseball was getting ready to start up again at the end of July. And, he, I think he even said he named Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina as the two that would would break heads if if anybody got the the team sick, and I had you know a couple people in my timeline saying you know oh my gosh yadi is going to eat these kids for breakfast if they get people sick and I'm like I guess the news hasn't gotten to you yet but yadi was one of the positives like to me that's just it, yeah it was crazy so we're having um. We had the three of us kind of um, had talked about this in in one of our DMs, but we're having people over on Saturday evening to watch the game um, on our projector in our backyard. And so it'll be me and about um, 15 socially distanced Cardinals fans. And um, the thought is and the overwhelming amount of text messages I've received about the Cardinals B squad playing the 10 and now three Cubs is nobody is really excited to come over to my house for this game. And honestly, at this point in time, it's like, I mean, I guess from a Cardinals fan perspective, it's so much different than for us. But I feel like no matter who they put on the field, it does not matter at this point. It's always a good game. It's always a good game. It's always a good series. And there's been a couple of, thinking back over the past two years, there've been a couple of series where the Cardinals have swept in Wrigley, the Cubs have swept at Bush, things like that. But for the most part, I mean, those are one-offs for the most part, they've been very good series, no matter who's on the field. So as, as Cubs fans call it, it's that devil bird magic. And it's, they always manage to find somebody who's hot and, and can, can make it a series. So, I kind of laugh when, you know, I've gotten a couple text messages. Are you sure you want us to come over? Like, cause this is, we're probably going to have way too much to drink and talk a lot of smack about, you know, 1908 and this and the other. And I'm like, please, I've lived here for 20 something years. It's fine. I'm used to it. So, but we'll see how it actually ends up. Um, you know, for the most part, I think people are just really disappointed that, um, you know, I, there's no, there's no stopping it. You know, anybody can get it anywhere. And it can happen. And like Tara said, you know, you're doing what you think are all the right things and you still end up with it. It's just, that's part of what is happening in our world these days. So I think people are disappointed that the Cardinals are not going to put what they would call their a team on the field against this um, really hot Cubs team, but it happens, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's injuries, there's all kinds of things that could have happened to either team up to this point. So for fortunately, it's not the last time that they'll see each other this season, this shortened season. So, I mean, we see each other again next week at Wrigley. So, you know, who knows? Things can things can change quickly.
0: I mean, I have a healthy respect for Devil Bird Magic. Uh, I fully anticipate whoever this like shortstop kid that got called up is like the next Tommy Edmond. <laughs> by which I mean, Tommy Edmond was like on nobody's radar, and it was all like, what? Who? What is? All he does is hit extra base hits. What is going on? <laughs> um, speaking of, before we head to a break, Tara, it would be really helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the players who were, who were put on the COVID IL who will not be playing in the series so that fans just have an idea of who will be missing this three-game set at Bush.
2: Yeah, well, it's not only Yadier Molina, which is a big blow, of course, but starting shortstop Paul DeYoung, who was playing really, really well in you know the the five games that we got to see before the <laughs> season was shut down. He was playing great. Uh, so those two are the starters uh, as far as position players that you will you will not see in this series. And then um, there were some pitchers that were involved as well: Junior Fernandez and Cody Whitley, and out of the bullpen two young guys that most people probably don't know about anyway. Uh, And then, of course, Carlos Martinez on that list as one of the guys out of the rotation that will be missed. And just as a side note, the Cardinals also lost Miles Miklas for the season to just a normal injury uh, prior to all of this going down. So they're what was very strong starting five is looking a little sketchy for now anyways. Uh, And then Edmundo Sosa was the um, infielder that additionally was on the uh, the COVID IL. And six of those players, uh, I guess, Ron Hel Ravello was the, the seventh player. Um, be- he's a bench player for the Cardinals that we didn't see a whole lot of coming into, uh, again, I guess, out of that five games. It feels like it had to be more than that, but it's <laughs> really just only five games. So those are the guys that we won't see. As far as guys that are going to get an opportunity on the pitching side, uh, Alex Reyes is going to get another shot, which we can talk about more if, if you want. But he's one of the most exciting pitchers I've ever seen, but has had such a miserable time trying to stick at the big league level. Not because his stuff wasn't good enough, but because of repeat injuries or you know just all sorts of drama that has gone on there. Uh, and Hennessy Cabrera is a lefty out of the bullpen. Those guys started this season on the COVID IL after testing positive in the initial intake exam so those two have not seen major league action yet but they would have been on the opening day roster otherwise so getting those two guys in the mix is going to be good for the bullpen Um, uh, Roel Ramirez is another young guy that'll be in the bullpen I don't expect to see much from him He's he's not really expected to play into this at all, but he's just a, an arm if you need him. Uh, Max Schrock is the infielder that you may be referring to. He's not going to play a shortstop unless something <laughs> terrible happens. He's really a second baseman, and that's where he would play likely defensively if they needed him to. Brad Miller was also uh, reinstated from the injured list. He went on that list before the season actually started with an ankle issue and there's a good chance you see him DH a little bit but again Tommy Edmund is likely to slide over to shortstop while Matt Carpenter will then play at third base and none of those those call-ups are likely to be seen (laughs) at least defensively unless things go horribly wrong.
0: Awesome and before we head to a break the only other question I have for you Tara is just I I'm, you mentioned or Andy mentioned, I don't remember who mentioned it, um, that the staff are affected as well. And I know that the Cardinals called up some new coaches, that some of their coaches are on the COVID aisle. That actually, coaches getting COVID is one of the more concerning things to me, just because I think that they tend to be in an older age demographic. It tends to be a much more risky situation. So uh, any impact that you're thinking will come from ha- calling up like half of a new coaching staff?
2: Yeah. And the thing is, the staff members that ended up testing positive, there were only a couple who were actually on the coaching staff. The others, I know one of them was, you know, one of their media relations people. So it's not necessarily on field staff that was exclusively affected. So there aren't really too many changes in personnel that will be present uh, while those. Uh, those staff members and coaches are down um, a couple of, you know, bench coach type moves, that sort of thing, but none of the big names on the coaching staff that will be missing, which is good for the continuity of the season, of course, but also because those are some of the, those older and perhaps higher risk people um, as well. And and really they didn't announce many of those names. Um, they just kind of brought up, I think, two two people as kind of assistant to some, some coach on the field. Um, and they were not, like I said, not any of the, the primary coaches or instructors on the field. There were more staff members that may be front office type people um, that happened to be traveling with the team for whatever reason. That seems like a thing they didn't need to do, but that's a, that's another piece of the conversation. And they've actually said they will be limiting their traveling party to anyone who absolutely necessarily has to be there as opposed to any additional personnel for that reason.
0: Cool. And I, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things I noticed watching these Cubs Royals games is that Taylor McGregor, who had gone to the Cincinnati trip and had been at great American ballpark was reporting from Wrigley field the last couple of days. And I, I was wondering if the Cubs might've made a similar decision to limit some of their traveling party. I'm sure we will find out about that. In the coming days. In the meantime, you are not imagining things. We are halfway through the show just talking about the pandemic updates because that is where we live right now. Uh, We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. But on the flip side, there's a lot of Cubs baseball news, including a look back at four games with the Kansas City Royals, a look ahead to three games that are apparently going to happen with the St. Louis Cardinals. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. All right. We are back. Uh, We leaned on Tara pretty heavily in that first section. We're going to lean on Andy pretty heavily in this one. The Cubs, well, at least prior to when we started recording, have been on fire. They won six of seven. They took three of four from the Royals. They just got kind of blown out by the Royals in that finale at Kauffman Stadium. But, you know, I can't even be mad about it because there's some things that were kind of good in that game. They have the best record in the National League. The starting pitching has been rolling. Coming into that game before Chatwood kind of imploded a little bit, they have the second-best rotation in baseball behind the Reds. You, Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, Kyle Hendricks all have absolutely phenomenal starts. And quietly, John Lester and Alec Mills are just, like, doing great things, which you always love to see. Andy, what do you see from the Cubs in these Royals games?
1: Well, I have to say, I think that Chatwood heard people doubting him in the rotation when going in today's game, because Q is, of course, throwing off a mound and could possibly make his um, comeback here in the next couple days, and, or probably within the next week, I would say. Um, and so the the talk has been kind of, does the rotation stay the same, or do they try to work Q back in and move people around, or what is the situation Honestly, this is a blip for Chatwood that we have not seen in a very long time, and I'm okay with it. We're going to have games like this. It's going to happen. The Royals had scored five runs in this series up until tonight, um, and they ended up outscoring the Cubs in this series 18-15. to So that tells you where we're at with this game. Yeah, this is a throwaway game. We had Alec Mills pinch hitting in the top of the ninth. So let's just forget about today. And, um, kind of move forward and work on a lot of the things that we saw, which, um, there was some really good things that we saw defensively. Um, Bodie was phenomenal. Uh, Sarah, I know you, you and I were tweeting about this the other night, you, you made the comment that he was flashing amazing leather and and I kind of joked because I was like well half of what he's doing he's doing barehanded so um (laughs) he looked great at at third and he's just a really solid defender to put in there when um KB needs a day or two off and uh his bat's been pretty good too uh Wilson Contreras Sarah you want to (laughs) um do you want a spoon should I give you a spoon yeah you can
0: I actually was just going to follow up with uh Wilson Contreras has a 76% hard hit rate. Can we talk about Wilson Contreras just, like, launching the baseball to all fields? He's only got two home runs at the moment, but I don't even care. He's just mashing the baseball right now. He's seeing it really well. He's also improved his framing to a degree that, you know, I, I have been calling him the best catcher in baseball for a while now. Uh, apologies to Tara, who I know <laughs> is going gonna, is gonna to vote for Yachty for that. But, like, I <laughs> – it, it, it's, a, it's a generational thing, right? Like Yadi's going to pass the torch to Wilson. It's fine. Um, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that if his framing is what we've seen over the last 12 games, Wilson Contreras is the best catcher in baseball. And it's, it's not particularly close right now. The bat plays, the framing plays, and he's just my favorite quote that happened this week. I, I record MLB Central every morning to kind of watch when I'm doing some work projects or whatever. And Mark DeRosa, former Cub, uh, was like, Actually, former Cub and former Cardinal, so we can agree on Mark DeRosa, too. Yeah. <laughs> Mark DeRosa's comment about Wilson Contreras was, I think he just, like, gets to the ballpark and blacks out for three hours and just, like, goes full throttle for the entire game. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, Wilson's uh, on fire, y'all. Anyway, Andy, continue.
1: No, 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 you're good, you're good. I had to, I had to give you that. So, um, I believe it was, oh, my goodness, was it? Monday uh, Kyle Hendricks game um so this game this is I love this game because we had Jason Kipness and um, Jason Hayward home run in this game and um no this was Monday
0: right is this it was Monday? Tuesday but it's I, it, honestly it's the pandemic and it all but it together, all runs so together at you know, this point. time is know, irrelevant you don't need to know days. <laughs>
1: Just know that this game was pretty awesome in the sense that we had Kyle Hendricks with the win, Kyle Ryan with the save, and then two Jasons home run. So this is is a good game. I like this game. Jason Hayward showed some major power. Um, that ball was scorched, uh, and and it was beautiful and I loved it. And I think I had a tear. Um, (laughs) also we need to not forget that Jeremy Jeffress is here to not mess around. And if you don't love him, then you don't have a pulse because this dude is ridiculous. Um, just like last night, I, all I can picture and somebody played this video and I have replayed it quite a few times. All I can picture is when he got that last out, his reaction on the mound. This is like what game 13, game 12 in a 60 game season that, you know, people, yes, are are hyped about this season and and a lot of different things are going to come from this season. But to be that jacked up and to be like pounding your chest after an out like that to feel that good in the bottom of the eighth playing for this team and, and and doing what he's doing. Like to me, if that doesn't make you want to run through a wall, I, I I don't know, like I can't help you because that's the kind of energy that this team is showing all the way around. And I, I feel like he has a lot to do with that. Like he just brings a vibe and he's a part of a team now that, is is bringing the energy back and I feel like the youthfulness is back and it's it's nice and it's fun and it's good to watch it's a good feeling to watch you don't feel like you know you're drudging through nine innings of you know like three up three down three up three down like there's energy there's you know fun again and I keep using that word I can't think of a better word but there's fun and I like it and it's back and it's yep. good
0: I think fun is the right word. I mean, I one of the things that I've noticed is the Cubs dugout. Uh, they basically sing Rizzo's walkout music, which is a club song. So it's weird <laughs> that they can sing it, but they do. And I, I, you just have to notice it when Rizzo comes to bat in the first inning. But they also do the clapping, which is the best part of the whole thing. And then they do the woo. And it's like it's almost like being at Wrigley every game because the and you can hear it on the broadcast because they're piping in crowd music. But it's not loud enough to cover up the entire like dugout doing Rizzo's walk up music. Anyway, they have a lot of energy and they're having a blast. I do like that you brought up Jeremy Jeffress there because he has been a bright spot in a pretty abysmal bullpen. So I told you all at the start of this segment that the Cubs have one of the best rotations in baseball. They are also leading the league offensively, and it's not particularly close right now. But the bullpen is yikes. They are 29th in the league. You saw a sample of it tonight in Kansas City where a bunch of guys were given a shot to like get some outs. The only people I trust in that bullpen right now are Jeremy Jeffress, Rowan Wick, occasionally Casey Sadler, occasionally Kyle Ryan, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Tapera. Everybody else, I'm like, they come in, I just want to hide. I don't even know what to do. Like the bullpen is terrifying. When I found out that they were going to make doubleheader seven innings, I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> so good for the Cubs. Sure. They, the bullpen will get to pitch less. But, but in all seriousness, you know, the biggest problem out in that bullpen for the Cubs right now is Craig Kimbrell, who I, he has some mechanical issues going on. I am not qualified to tell you if he's tipping pitches or, or what's going on. Uh, Sahad of Sharma had a piece at the athletic today that talked about how his arm slot is about four inches lower, like noticeably lower on his pitches this year, which may explain why he's got less spin rate, which was something I wrote about yesterday. Um, but right now until tonight, honestly until Thursday night at approximately eight thirty, before we jumped on this podcast, no one, not a single player had, th- had swung, at any Craig Kimbrell curveball in 2020. And to put this in perspective, his historic... He, this is a guy who has 10 years in the majors. That's a 50% whiff rate pitch for him. <laughs> that is the pitch that like fools people into then missing his fastball. So if he can't get people to swing at his curveball, Chicago, we have a problem. I... I'm hopeful that the Cubs have identified whatever is going on there. He looked better tonight, even after giving up some really hard contact. But that's that's a huge problem. They do not have a closer right now. They have Jeremy Jeffress playing an eighth-inning role for whatever reason and Craig Kimbrell trying to work out a way to get his second pitch back. He's a two-pitch pitcher. So if his curveball isn't fooling anybody, all they have to do is sit on a 96, 97 mile per hour fastball. And that's going to go a long way, which let's not do that.
1: So I have to ask because I'm curious, I hear my my husband and, and um, other friends who text me quite frequently and know their concerns about this Cub team right now, especially with how hot they are in the start they've gotten off to, because obviously people are paying attention to what's happening with kind of a lopsided division right now. But Tara, what, when you kind of hear us talking about this um, series, and I don't know if you watched any of it or what you were able to to look at regarding you know, the Cubs playing the Royals the last four games, what concerns you the most going into this series against the Cubs?
2: Well, first of all, I just have to say the whole Craig Kimbrell situation is like deja vu from Greg Holland in St. Louis a couple of years ago brought him in in a similar situation to, I guess, last year for, for Kimbrell. But Signed late, didn't get off to a good start. They kept putting him out there. It was the last year of Mike Matheny and it was a disaster from the very beginning. And man, it's hard to watch when a guy like that has such great career numbers. And Kimbrell obviously has a bit more um of a track record, I would say, than than Holland did, but the storyline seems very parallel. So I I understand that frustration completely. And uh, you know, watching a manager continue to run him out there when he probably shouldn't. I understand that Uh, uh, very, very deeply, very deeply (laughs) in my experience as well. I will say watching this series uh, uh, with the Royals and seeing Mike Matheny managing another team, there were some moments of some not-so-pleasant deja vu for me. But uh, (laughs) to your question, uh, look, this is a Cubs team that even in the offseason on our podcast, we talked a lot about as a team that looked like they didn't quite know who they were, but still had all the pieces to be incredibly competitive, especially on the offensive side of things. And that's the biggest weakness for the St. Louis Cardinals. And it has been for, gosh, the last four or five seasons. And it still continues to be uh, something that is a, a bit of a problem, which is why not only defensively is Paul DeYoung going to be missed, but his bat in the middle of the lineup. He was hitting cleanup prior to uh, to the the shutdown. That's something they're going to have to fill in as well. So when I look at the Cubs and the way that they're playing right now, they seem to capitalize on momentum perhaps better than just about any other team does. And they're able to ride a streak like this because of that. And you know, I do think it's it's interesting. The energy you were talking about, yes, it's fun and it makes it exciting to watch, but I also think it's really important in a season like this where you're not getting that energy from fans in the stands. You have to create that and you have to create that that high for yourself and for your teammates in a way that's very different this year. So, them coming off of that with the Cardinals coming off of being stuck in a haunted hotel in Milwaukee (laughs) for 12 days or whatever it was. Um, Not exactly great odds as far as who's going to come in feeling sharpest at this point. But the Cardinals do have a lot of interesting pieces. It just hasn't come together yet offensively. I think if you add in Brad Miller at DH and have Matt Carpenter playing at third base, you're obviously not going to have... The same infield defense that was so spectacular in the first week of the season for the Cardinals when you had, um, you know, Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung up the middle and Tommy Edman and Paul Goldschmidt on the corners. But there is still the same more or less offensive potential. I just don't know. On paper, it doesn't match up with what the lineup is going to put together. Um, as far as the Cubs are concerned. So that's the thing that concerns me, not only with the Cubs, but with every team the Cardinals are going to (laughs) face at this point. And their their holes in the offense can get exposed pretty consistently if they don't get off to a, a good start. So I don't know. I have no way to even have expectations of this series because we saw them in five games. They looked Strong in the first two against the Pirates, they dropped the third game of that series and then looked very overmatched when they played the Twins in two games. But the Twins are an incredible team, so that wasn't entirely surprising either. But then this big layoff and the change in personnel gives me even less to go on as far as what to expect from this team. So the Cubs coming in hot is not super surprising, but it's definitely not comforting knowing what the Cardinals are coming off of. (laughs)
0: Like I said, devil bird magic. I will never (laughs) underestimate the Cardinals. I will never underestimate a Cubs-Cardinals series. It's one of those things you just have to watch and hang on to your seats. Um, I have two small moves that I want to talk about before we get all into Cubs-Cardinals, which, let's be honest, that's the reason you're listening to this podcast today. The Cubs signed Kelvin Herrera to a minor league deal. I really like that. Uh, We'll see what happens. He's in South Bend with the taxi squad. They, the Cubs also currently only have one left-handed pitcher in their bullpen because both Rex brothers and Justin Steele were sent back to South Bend. So Kyle Ryan holding down the fort as the only left-handed <laughs> arm in the bullpen. And like, maybe that's not as big of a deal with the three batter minimum, but it kind of feels like a big deal to me. And I, I just wanted to call that out. All right. Looking ahead to the weekend. um, It's kind of weird to compare these. Normally we do kind of like a who's hot on each team and we'd be talking about their last week. In this instance, as y'all know, the Cardinals don't have a last week. They have been hanging out at the Haunted Milwaukee <laughs> Hotel. P.S., you need to go find some of Jack Flaherty's Twitter. <laughs> Yes. Us, I was going to say, hospital.
1: you better talk about him. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: Go for it. Andy, you talk about him. like No, I was going to gonna... agree with
1: Sarah on Jack Flaherty's I... Twitter is fire. Listen, we, Sarah and I have become big Jack Flaherty fans and I will say it's it, impossible not to. He's seriously. incredible. <laughs> well, and there was, and, you know, I am kind of one of those people that I get stuck in fandom a lot and I, the reason why I despise a player so much is because I want them on our team. And Jack Flaherty <laughs> is no different. Like I would love to see him in a Cubs uniform. I'm not going to lie, but anyways, that's beside the point. His Twitter is amazing. And that man, while he, and okay. And I also have to tell you, Sarah, I have not told you this yet. I also did see, I believe Harrison Bader was doing, um, he was modeling clothing. <laughs> <Yeah. and> taking <laughs> yeah. pictures did a hotel <laughs> fashion show. Yes, that's what it is. For hotel hotel room f- fashion show, and was sending pictures to Dexter no. Fowler, who was uh, posting on his Instagram. I swear, no. I'm like, first of all, did yeah. Dexter Fowler get permission to to post these on his, on his Instagram? Because these pictures were pretty pretty hilarious. But um, yes, Jack Flaherty, it, it, you know. I, I saw that he was originally supposed to throw tomorrow, right? He was originally supposed to be yeah. Friday. And I know that they're being a little cautious with him after the break, which is smart because that's your, that's your ace. That's your key piece right there. That's your guy. You gotta, you gotta be be gentle with him. Um, so we may not even see him this series, which will be interesting to me, but there
2: is a chance that he throws on Sunday. Correct, Tara? Yes, yeah. And and they made clear it's not a an issue as far as an injury. It's just he's the one who's gone the longest since throwing, so they would prefer to have him throw a bullpen before they just launch him back into uh, what is already turning out to be a, a challenging gauntlet for starting pitchers. Right.
0: Are you saying that they don't trust the Jack Flaherty? I'm going to put a mattress up against my wall. Yes. And just throw out <laughs> it in a hotel. Well,
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure, at least for part of that, he was throwing left handed too. So oh, yeah, I'm not sure how oh effective that was in saying fine tuned. <laughs> He's a Javi Baez of pitchers. It was, oh yeah. my gosh, stop it. I
1: was just thinking that. I was like, oh man, him and Javi Baez. Jack Flaherty throwing left and Javi Baez. Batting left. That would be fair. I would totally do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> yep.
0: Every time Javi takes batting practice lefty, Twitter freaks out, and I have to remind people that he's a natural lefty. And then they come, they're like, what? I'm like, that that's why the tags are so good, people. That's why the tags are so good. It's it's my favorite Javi <laughs> bias fact. Superhuman. So funny. Okay, awkward pause. I'll edit that out. Um <laughs> speaking. Speaking of Javi Baez uh, and Jack Flaherty, it's it, it's going to kind of wow people here, but like, those are not the hottest players on either team right now. Um, so for the Cubs, the bats who are super hot, we already talked about Wilson Contreras. We don't need to do another Wilson Contreras segment. <laughs> Jason Kipnis has just been kind of on fire. He's He hasn't gotten a ton of playing time because that that spot pretty much belongs to Nico Horner right now. But when he's been in, he's made it count. His WRC plus is like over 300. He's batting 450. It's kind of insane. Anthony Rizzo, Ian Happ, and David Bodie are also just like crazy powerful right now. And sneaky rebound by Bryant in the last week. If you take the first series out, that series against the Brewers where he just couldn't hit the ball to save his life, Chris Bryant looks like himself again. So the Cubs bats are super hot right now. Um, Tara, tell us who we should be looking out for on the Cardinals.
2: Yeah. You know, it's so hard to take a whole lot from stats from this team at this point because it's just been five games, but I will say before this layoff, Tyler O'Neill was looking really solid and he's such an interesting piece for this team because he's kind of been waiting in the wings while they brought in other outfielders and The Cardinals system of outfielders is so clogged that there are a number of guys that haven't really gotten an opportunity. Dylan Carlson is one of the top prospects. Everyone assumes he will be at the major league level at some point this season, but at this point there's not a spot for him to play consistently. And Tyler O'Neill is one of those guys that is getting a chance in the place of Marcelo Zuna, who, uh, who the Cardinals did not resign last year. So he looked really strong out of the gate. I believe his was the first run to score of the season on a solo home run in that opening game. And he really just kept up from there. Paul Goldschmidt also looked pretty solid coming uh, out of the gate. And that was a good sign because he did not start well last year for the Cardinals. There isn't a ton more to really dive into with this Cardinals offense because they just haven't played enough games. I mean, Colton Wong did not look great at the top of the lineup, but Again, not really enough of a sample size to get super worried about. I think Harrison Bader is the the piece that everyone talks about that isn't looking great, continuing from where he left off last season. But Matt Carpenter, Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, um, and we'll see what happens with Brad Miller, who I assume will slot into that DH spot as they they shuffle things a bit um, for this series. Those are the guys that, to me, are going to be the most important part of, of the offense. And, and I didn't mention Tommy Edmond. He's another piece of that, obviously. He and Colton Wong batting 1-2 in the order I think is really exciting. It just hasn't quite worked out, uh, again, in five games like I think they're hoping it will.
0: Andy, you mentioned that uh, your Cardinal favorite, Jack Flaherty, is not going to be pitching on Friday but maybe pitching on Sunday. It looks like the Cubs are going to roll with their their rotation as it's been so far, which means you have John Lester on Friday, you have Alec Mills on Saturday, you have Kyle Hendricks on Sunday. What are you looking for from the rotation and what do you want to see from this Cubs starting crew that has been so great so far?
1: Well, we are four or five one um, go, coming into this series, and you know Lester has. He, you know we use this term a lot with him, but it, it it's true. He's a workhorse, and he, he's going to give you um, to the best of his ability a solid outing. And w- you usually know pretty quickly whether or not um, he's able to kind of pull back and you know really get his his pitches where he wants them. And being that you know, our framing has been phenomenal. That has extremely (laughs) been extremely helpful for him. So, um, I'm excited to see Lester and I believe he's up against, um, Ponce de Leon. And, um, I I actually think this is going to be a pretty offensive game to be quite honest. So we'll see how that fares out. But, um, Mills and Wainwright, I think is going to be very interesting and actually, yeah, Wainwright is still going Saturday. Um, Wainwright is, I kind of compare him in my mind, um, thinking this way as, as a, a solid comparison to a Lester because he's later in his career, he finds a way to, to give you some innings. He may not give you the best outings, but he, he's, he's definitely going to try and, and, you know, drain as much as he can and and give you um, an outing. So we'll see. I mean, Wainwright is definitely somebody that has done well against the Cubs and last year I think in in a couple games a couple starts he did not fare as well but I, I like I always say I feel like teams just play so much better against the Cubs and and it's a, obviously a series that both teams are going to be pretty amped up for so um Hendricks and Hudson. That will be a good one. I like Dakota Hudson. Um, he's been pretty solid and definitely against the Cubs. He's had some good outings. I don't know that they've quite had him figured out, but you know, it's a new season. It's a different outlook from, from both sides. And it, it'll be interesting to see the approaches that both teams take offensively against their opponent. So I'm looking forward to this. It'll be, it'll be very exciting here in good old St. Louis, Missouri.
0: Awesome. And so we only have a couple minutes left. I want to get a quick hit on what you're looking for from this series. Again, the greatest rivalry in sports. And no, ESPN, I don't want to know your thoughts on this. Um, (laughs) Ladies, just like real quick, what is the one thing that you're looking for in terms of this Cubs-Cardinals series? Andy, I'll start with you. Um, Just
1: capitalizing, being able to hit situationally and um, if runners are
0: on, getting them in. Awesome. Tara, what is your quick hit?
2: Yeah, I know I mentioned the big bats in the middle of the order, but that top two with Colton Wong and Tommy Edmund, I think if this team's really going to start firing offensively, yes, the middle of the order has to hit, but those two have to kick it off early in games. And if they do that, they're going to be pesky on the base paths. And that can really mess with some starters who maybe aren't super used to that speed at the top of the, the lineup. So I would love to see them come out of quarantine and improve on how that top of the order looked in the the first five games.
0: Pesky is exactly how I would normally describe the Cardinals. Uh, my <laughs> my quick hit is one of the things I've been noticing, I I,
2: I, I get a little
0: nervous about the idea of Mills and Hendricks back to back. They both look so similar as starters, low velocity placement, like gurus. And I just worry that teams are going to start picking up on that and just come up with a better game plan for it. Uh, if that happens, we will be talking about it here on Cup of Cubby Blue you can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at at BRYZ underscore blue. Tara, where can people find you?
2: I am at Tara Wellman on Twitter. I keep it simple so that I remember what it is. And you can also find me at birdsontheblack.com. And that is where you can find our podcast, Chirps, which is there are a number of Birds on the Black podcasts under that umbrella. Ours is Chirps, and it's uh, it comes out every Wednesday.
0: It's an awesome podcast. I've had the... Good fortune to be a guest on there once, and that was outstanding. You should definitely check it out. As Cardinals content goes, you cannot do any better than Chirps. Um, if you're looking for Cubs content, though, you should definitely be looking for us at at Cup of Cubby Blue. And we will be back after the Car- Cubs and Cardinals series with more Cubs news updates and pandemic baseball banter. Until next time, bye.